Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room. Okay, welcome to Ask Alex, episode 119 on the com podcast, sponsored by americascardroom.com. If you want 27% rate back from americascardroom.com, Simply sign up for your account by clicking on one of the adverts or banners on the oneouter.com website. Follow us on Twitter at oneouter.com and join the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash oneouter. This episode and all of the previous episodes are on oneouter.com website and via iTunes for free. If you want to send questions in for Alex on a future show, then please email questions at oneouter.com or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Alex, we did the first show of 2017 last week, and we sort of took it easy, but we got a lot of good feedback. Uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, one guy was like, um, this is one of the best podcasts that you've done, it was very inspirational, like every part of it and that, and it was basically just me and you talking about traveling and doing stuff, I think, from memory. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> um, it went down well. This one, there is a few technical questions in hand histories, and Alex has already stole my joke pre-show when I said I'll try not to butcher them as much as I butcher my own hand history. Yeah. Uh, but we do have a few hand histories. There is one from me, and I actually emailed the hand history to myself, and I'm going to read it verbatim. <laughs> uh, just, <laughs> just try. I'll still, I'll still screw it up probably as well. Uh, Alex, how have you been this week? Second week, January. Are you getting over? Uh, you got any January blues? Or are you back to work? And no, what's happening? Yeah, I don't know. January blues would be the right word. It's definitely slowed down quite a bit. Uh, I, I kind of, I, I felt I need a project, something to work toward. So just yesterday, I put the money down to. Uh, me and Dennis Peterson are getting like a place in Montreal for the main event. Uh, I procured the investor I want. Uh, also, yeah, shout out to Canada in uh, their really weak dollar. I really appreciate it. You know, you guys. And before anybody says that's a tad uncouth, you guys were making fun of us nonstop for the, you know, like 2.7 days. Your dollar was stronger than ours. And you could come into our country and it'd be all cheap. But yeah, Montreal, man, like the prices are really good and everything. So yeah, and I've got some friends in New York and Montreal is really close to New York. So uh, some friends from high school I wanted to get in touch with, uh, you know, one like went into the Navy and all that and, uh, you know, married now and doing really well, be really happy to see them. And yeah, you know, I kind of, once I had the project, I got a little excited again. Uh, I, I guess it's going to be a bit of a bum rush because, you know, I got to I got to get my money here uh, out of everything uh, that always takes time with the courts that I have to I have to run to Laughlin to drop off my dogs. And then Carlos Welch gets to be a glorified babysitter while I go to Montreal and uh, yeah, in New York. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, as per usual, I'm not really that well prepared and I have to do everything uh, 
I have to do everything at the last minute, but at the same time, I really enjoy that. So I don't, not the last minute, but I, I do like the rush of just working for a purpose and traveling has always been a great purpose because you learn so much traveling like we were talking about in the last episode and I've never been to Montreal and I, I really have been looking forward to that and I haven't been to New York in 10 years uh, so I'm really looking forward to that yeah it's been 10 years Jesus Christ I went to New York when I was 19 uh, a guy I was studying under in poker lived in uh, Flushing and for those three of you from New York you'll know that's kind of Meadows Flushing Meadows no no it's uh... <laughs> Just us and a bunch of Koreans, essentially. Like, but it was cool. It was and uh, yeah, but like you know, in New York at like eighteen, nineteen, I didn't really understand social norms and stuff like that. And yeah, it'll be really cool to go back there. And you know, yeah, I've only been there when I was sixteen. I oh, was even wow. younger. I've never, I've never been back since. But I, you know, I want to go. Well, I've stopped stopovers for like five, six hours, but never went into the city. You know, just right, sat, right. sat around an airport, but yeah. um. Yeah, I went the year before nine eleven, two thousand. I oh went. Oh my I'm god! 16. Um, yeah, how weird. I need to go back. I, I I would love to go back. I think I'd really, really love it now. Yeah, exactly. That's that was kind of my idea. So I'm kind of, I gotta quit saying kind of, but I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to, really focus myself and get my stuff together because the other thing is, every time I go to one of these live events. It's always kind of a pain in the ass to get all the money together. Uh, I end up selling off a little bit more than I mean to, but I'm never in debt afterward, and I'm cashing a lot more. And just one of these days, one of these is going to pay off. And if you're not really losing much of anything every time you go to these, in fact, you're gaining quite a bit because you're seeing a new city, you're hanging out with new friends, you're uh, you're learning uh, I think that's really the place I want to be right now. Online, I do think I'm going to get back to once I'm in Laughlin, but right now, it's not super practical because I, I, my computer is still behaving quite oddly, and I'm, I'm never going to figure out what to do. I think I got this really nice computer, but when it got shipped down here, I think it just got banged up. I, I don't think I'll ever figure out how to get it completely stable. And then, of course, the Internet here is a, a thrill and a half. But I don't know. Maybe I'll play a little poker before I get out of here. We'll see. Time, time to make some money, though. Time. I've got some new webinars that I'm working on. I have one already half done, and I think we're going to announce that one pretty soon. So uh, that should be pretty cool. And, yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of ideas I have. I actually already started working on Live Poker 102, uh, but I, I think it might be something a little bit smaller, and I'm still hashing out the topics. And yeah, I'm writing again, so that's pretty, I've begun every morning, just grab my coffee, and I have to write 2,000 words, I just have to do it, and what I'm trying to do is I'm writing essays about just the weird stuff I've seen around the world, and I notice if I literally just change nothing, I don't try to make a joke, I don't try to cushion the impact, it's really funny because my life was just so weird. And that's really empowering because you don't have to come up with source material. You just say, you know, there, there, there's just funny moments from when you're 19 years old and you're in a foreign country. You know, it's just going to happen. You're a pompous American in a very demure culture, right? So it was, that's been really empowering. That's been really fun. 
Uh, then, of course, I had to wake up to do the One Outer podcast, a different kind of writing today. But, yeah, you know, so, yeah, it's been going good. Yeah, uh, What you been up to, man? Um, doing a lot of sleeping, a lot of watching. <laughs> no, I've been in that sort of weird sleeping pattern again, staying up far too late watching films throughout Christmas period, and it's just having a knock-on. But I've got up an hour earlier for the last three days consecutively. <laughs> so nice. That's my achievement. Um, Big moves, Yeah. Next stop. Tomorrow I'm hoping to get up around 11 a.m. Next um, stop, the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's it. Um, so just, yeah, getting at that. I watched a movie. We've not talked about films for a while, but I watched Lights Out, is it? Or Don't Turn the Lights Out? Uh, Something like that. Some new horror movie uh, last yeah, year. How was it? Yeah, it was okay. It kind of had that whole like, sort of meaning under it as well, like the sort the the Babadook-type thing. Uh, so if yeah. you saw Babadook, it was kind of similar uh, to that, but, like, a little bit weirder. Babadook was better. Um, and the other one I got recommended was Don't Breathe, I think it's called. Uh, that was a good movie. That wasn't really... Yeah I, think, yeah, I think I saw you write about that, but I never read it in case you mention anything that's, like, remotely a spoiler, you know, yeah, until I... I've watched the movie, yeah. Exactly. And uh, what did you think of it? No, I've not. I've not watched that yet. That's the next one. I said I'm, I've been recommended that as well. It was the same guy said, "Oh, you got to watch." Uh, I'm sure it's don't don't turn the lights out or turn the lights out. Yeah. Don't turn the lights out. Is yeah. And uh, don't breathe as well. He said to both of them, you know. Uh, so I got to watch that one. Um, and what else have I been up to? I've been playing some poker again. I played a little bit online. Um, qualified for the Sunday Million and got nowhere. Nice. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, like the other five thousand odd people or whatever, or four thousand that is now. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not much else. Just kind of yeah, January slow for me as well. Um, mm-hmm. in a lot of other aspects in life, and just sort of like you got to just I think sort of hunker down, make money wise, like make what you can, whether it's poker, business, whatever. Just try and. You know, keep a flow, like, if you can sort of break even January or come ahead a little bit, like, with ed- with your work or whatever, just, right. you know, it, it's one of those months that everybody can't help but sort of, like, self-evaluate, or anybody, like, with half a brain should be as well, you know, and, right. and it's natural to do it in January, even though you don't make resolutions or any of that nonsense or whatever, it's still a start of a year or something, like, fresh about it that you sort of go... Right, what am I going to do? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try that, etc. So, yeah, everybody takes a lot of stock, I think, in January. You know, yeah, whether you that's true. whether you're big on that stuff or not. So, I think everybody just feels that sort of vibe. And before you know it, it'll be February, and you know that's it. Yeah, it's it's over. It, you're yeah. in the year. You're, you're the same. You're the same shit that you were last year. It's like yeah, that's, you know. I've been really trying. Like the first week of January, I was like logging all my meals. And uh, I actually was going to write an article just about what I was doing instead of New Year's resolutions, which was I just found a friend uh, and I was, you know, just every time I ate something, I just send the picture uh, by text. And then if you're going to eat something shitty, you just, you know, you feel, oh, God, excuse me. But like if you, uh, yeah, I don't usually cuss on this show, but I guess that one slipped out. But if you're going to eat garbage food uh and there's no chance, by the way, Barry will edit that. So I'm sorry, guys. Like you know, Barry. no. And I was going to say, what you don't usually cuss on this show, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude, but Alex actually doesn't stutter that much. That's just Barry editing. But yeah, no. Uh, 
No, in, uh, you know, of course, like day six of that, I'm like, well, I'm not sending this photo of peanut butter because this is embarrassing, you know. And then, well, and then my mom comes down here because my mom, my mom and I are watching, you know, like playoff football. And uh, I had my buddy over the other day, didn't know anything about football. That actually turned out to be like really fun. And then we just play video games till three in the morning. But yeah, he, uh, uh, yeah, my mom just decides to bring like chocolate covered pretzels and cookies and gummy bears. And I'm like, all right, mom, new year, new me, you know, like, and, uh, <laughs> I got, it, it is weird. Like you take stock, but it's so hard to change, you know, like you have to, I guess I've lost a couple pounds since, uh, the beginning, since I got home from Prague, obviously, but it's really difficult just to get, you know, like a real firm change in your life. And I, I guess that's why I push myself to do all these trips because it, it just for a long time, I wasn't changing just for years. I was, uh, it, you know, trying to make this suburban life work, trying to make my business work. And I did make my business work pretty well. Uh, like I'm very blessed to have the business I have right now, but at, at the same time, I, I internally, I just wasn't doing so well. So now I feel like there's this impetus. I just have to push myself. And it, it's really nice because I just feel really depressed when I'm not pushing myself. Whereas if I'm pushing myself, I might be tired, but I'm satisfied. Like, uh, okay, we had live poker 101. <clears throat> I told them all, I did 10 episodes and I was fine with, I did all the hours I promised I would do. The last episode was about an hour long, but I had about seven episodes that went an hour longer than they were supposed to. So it, it, it really came together uh, well. And then I said, we were going to do like a wrap up episode, right? And, you know, come whatever may, uh, we, we would talk a few hands, but mostly it'd be answers. But I ended up, on Saturday, I did a three, uh, I think it was three, three and a half hour uh, pro product. You know, I, I really, uh, maybe it was just three hours. I, I had a two hour PowerPoint and I stayed up all night. I literally stayed up all night doing it just because I like doing things right. I like making projects. I like creating and I like being paid to do what I love. And mm -hmm. When I'm just sitting around not cashing my lottery ticket, when I'm just laying around my house, uh, you know, there's a time and a place for that. But there, there's always like this little voice inside my head that says, you got to you, you got to go out and get it. You know, like you, you, you can't do this for too long. Right. Yeah. You can't. Uh, and that, that kind of sucks because I used to spend a lot of time reading. I didn't really think about it just because I, I guess my relationship was going so poorly when I was married that I was just looking for an escape and I wasn't finding that in work anymore. But, uh, now it's, I, I, I feel like all the engines are burning very cleanly. I feel very healthy. I feel very happy and it's, yeah, I just, I, I, I want to take advantage of this, but yeah, January is so funny because the first 10 days you're so exhausted from the holidays. You just, you know, you just lay around and like, yeah, keep eating like crap and staying up too late and watching movies. And then you're like, new year, new me. Woo. Like, and then, yeah, yeah. And it's February before you know yeah, it. Exactly. You, yeah. Let's turn no, I think it's, yeah. it's weird. Cause like you say at the start, like I was going to get really sort of almost sound down, but then why should you be down about it? But for me now, Alex, apart from eating and traveling, what else is there really? <laughs> like, no, 
No, seriously, like seriously, like in terms of spending your money on and enjoying, like for me, I don't get any satisfaction now in wanting to go out and buy, you know, expensive clothing or designer clothing or right, rub, you right. know, material. Like I don't want a Rolex or whatever. Yeah, you know, exactly. Like, like you know, like I remember being twenty-two or something and putting a deposit on a Breitling in a local jewellery, and then they couldn't get the right colour face, and getting my deposit back and being really like, oh, I've not got my Breitling, and then I wasted that money or whatever anyway. But, <laughs> like, you know, it's not like I pine for anything material now, like right, even like a really nice right. car or whatever. Like, I'm at the stage now where I'm like, as long as my car grits there, it doesn't break down, or I, whatever, I, I'm fine with it. So the only thing I really derive as you know, as I studied economics, yeah, economics we used to call they call it utility. Like happiness is is from traveling. Like whether mm-hmm. it's planning and booking the trip and then actually going on it and experiencing. And like you say, it's all like I'd rather spend money on experience. Yeah, yeah, than, that's than tangible than tangible objects because I don't really want for anything. You know, don't get me wrong. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. I watch a lot of movies. If my TV breaks tomorrow. I'm going to go out and buy a really nice TV because I need it. Mm. But I'm not sitting looking at this one. You know, it's a flat screen LCD. It's it's a decent TV. I'm not looking going, oh, I need a bigger one or I need one with a slightly better sound system. Or, you know, it's like, so when you don't want for anything material and you really enjoy traveling and you're lucky that you've got the freedom to do that, I think it's something you should do. Exactly. Because you never regret a trip like what you, you know, we speak about that with someone else, you never regret about exercise. That's really true. That's really true. I've never thought of that. Like going to Cairo, Egypt was the worst trip of my life. And it was, uh, I had like my teeth, uh, I, I had an infection in a tooth like years before and it just felt like somebody put a screwdriver into my gums. And uh, I got it fixed, and out of nowhere, it just happened in Cairo again. And, uh, yeah, it was pretty much the worst trip. Well, and the worst part was I was like, I spent $500 to get here. I'm going to the pyramids. So, like, my gum, like, screaming in pain, and I was, like, in the pyramids, and it was, like, 110 degrees. And, uh, yeah, and I I was riding a camel. It was pretty cool. But, like, uh, I have one really badass picture of me riding a camel. Maybe I'll send send it to you after – I'll send it to you after this is done if you remind me, and we can make it the uh, we can yeah. make it the we can make it the photo. But like yeah. even then, I look back at that I look back at that trip, and it was like it was crazy. Oh, and my hotel that I booked in Malta turned out to just be like some guy's apartment in like the crappiest part of Cairo, and like you know, and like I'd walk through the halls, and they'd be like, "There's a white person here," you know, and uh, it was but yeah. but at the time it was shit, but now you've got the experience, yeah, the, and the story, story, and I know kind of yeah, and I learned a lot about the Middle East being there. I learned. You know, most of the people were really nice. Uh, don't wave with your left hand was the other thing I learned. And, uh, yeah, and uh, I think it was the left hand. I don't know. This has been a long time now. But, yeah, I mean, you don't really regret any experience. And, like, on your note, the thing I need is books. If you can give me books and a cup of coffee, yeah. literally I'll, I'll be fine wherever I'm at. And uh, even, like, I want a TV, right? But, like, I'm... I'm giving up. I'm letting my ex-wife uh, just keep all the TVs here. And there's like, you know, there's like the 50 inch or whatever, right? And uh, I'm not, I'm not even really thinking about it. I don't, I don't really care. And uh, yeah, it's weird. Once you get 
it's funny because I know a lot of guys in poker that if they don't have the Rolex, they don't feel accomplished. And the weird thing is I could totally see myself being 35 and owning like a very modest Rolex because I don't think about money that much. And then that seems to be, I mean, I need money, but I don't need money. I, I need a, a certain amount to get by and I need a certain amount to be comfortable but if you put $10,000 in a bank account for me, I'm going to be the happiest guy in the world because I will. there's pretty much no – most emergencies I can handle uh, with $10,000. And I enjoy my job. I enjoy working. You know, I, I, I really enjoy what I do. And I think when you enjoy your job and you enjoy your recreation, which – and it, by the way, my job is not easy. I, I want to make that clear. I enjoy the challenge of my job, which is – it is brutally difficult to come up with new strategies every day and to stay ahead of the game. It is a constant game of cat and mouse. I'll never be able to win. There will always, you know, there's always somebody ahead of me. There's always somebody I have to look into. There's always something like that. And I love it. I, I, I love every day of it. I love, I have four lessons today. Excuse me. I have three lessons today. I'm really looking forward to it because I, I love just sitting here with my coffee and have like the smartest kids from around the world just test me constantly. And uh, I just get better and better at poker and I love to play poker and I love to read and I love to travel and I get to do those things. And yeah, and, uh, you know, for a long time, like I, I don't even have sour feelings about my marriage because for a long time, that was all I did in my marriage was just share that with a person I really love. So, you know, it, that's the weird thing. People are always like, oh, on the way out, you should do this like really mean thing. And I, I'm always like, if this is somebody I really cared about and I loved for the better part of a decade, why would I want to hurt them on the way out? That sounds like, yeah. that sounds like the most immature thing I've ever, no. And the weirdest thing is that people like older than me are telling me that or like, Oh, do this and you'll get that. And it's like, well, no, yeah. you know, it, no. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Our legal fees were really low because we just came in and hashed it out and they, you know, the lawyers are like, oh, you want to argue about that? We can argue about that. And it's like, yeah, you want us to argue about it. Because once we get done, the lawyer's fees are going to be $4,000 and the price of the object is 2700 So we end up negative on whoever wins ends up negative, right? And then, yeah, anyway. And, and let's be honest, the dossier she had on you. Donald Trump's golden showers. And got nothing he's a choir boy to Alex Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what it is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, let's let's give some value. Uh, not like that wasn't value, but um, let let's give some value. Now, I just literally I've got my phone on do not disturb when we do the podcast, so there's no like noises and that. But I read a couple of the questions. There's one guy email, and there's another guy that Facebook the question, and I just saw a tweet come in there by an at Profish Poker, and he's got. Please tell me you have another hand to review with the Assassinato today. So <laughs> people really are running with that when I butcher the hands. But yeah, I do have a hand. Uh, but there's another guy with a hand as well. And right. I want to say they're kind of similar from my mediocre understanding of poker. Right. But we'll right. we'll put them to Alex and we'll go through them and see what he says. So this first question for today is from John. And it is a hand. And he's got, I'm just going to read this exactly verbatim so that I All do right. not butcher it. All right. Um, ask, please ask Alex a question for me. Uh, I opened 2.5x under the gun, ace-queen off, from 25 big blind stack. 
And the small blind 3-bet, 7.5x from a 22-big blind stack. Unknown player who has just been moved to my table, and we were like two places from the bubble. This is a live tournament, mm-hmm, Alex, mm-hmm. as well. I should have said that. I fold like a wee bitch, but the hand... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was... He is a, he is a Scottish guy. He is a Scottish guy. I know the guy. Yeah. yeah. I, I fold like a wee bitch, but the hand has been annoying me as I went car dead and then ended up bubbling. Well, there's a, there's a, there's a real... Uh, I find most people I'm not smarter than but i do have clarity of thought a little bit and if you ask yourself the right questions here you'll find you're not a wee bitch uh essentially if uh okay so you open the under the gun to 20 uh, 2.5x from a 25x stack that's a that's a pretty strong play to begin with uh he three bets you to 7.5x he had 22 big blinds he very could he very easily could have moved all in there uh that's certainly a jamming stack instead he wanted you to move all in him, yourself, which means he really wanted you to play, uh, which you have to ask yourself. These are the questions I ask myself, and, yeah, they're, they're just the cheat code, which is, does he do that with, and then you insert whatever hand you beat? In this case, it would be ace-jack. Uh, I don't see many guys do that with ace-jack. That, that would be very surprising to me if he three-bet called with ace-jack versus under the gun. So if you're not dominating anything, then you're just flipping versus everything or you're behind, why would you get involved? You're all, you only have 2.5x out there. Uh, the guy, you know, don't show your hand ever when you do this. I see some guys do that. Uh, that is the top of your race folding range, but if you show people you'll fold ace-queen, they'll understand there's probably a discrepancy there because you're probably like the vast majority of poker players now who opens way too much. Uh, from early position, if you're folding ace-queen, you're probably raise-folding there 60-plus percent of the time. But the fact of the matter is he does. that's what's bothering you, but here's the thing that took me a very long time to understand about poker. There is a very good chance he does not know that. He's, it, it, this is reality on reality's terms. You will see professional poker players constantly project how they think about the game onto other unwitting uh, participants, and it has nothing to do with reality. In reality here, in the vast majority of poker rooms, the vast majority of poker players, I'd say 90% plus do not 3-bet fold there with ace-jack and possibly don't even do it with 10s. They, they probably just jam with 10s. So I think you made a very astute fold here. Uh, it's the clarity of your thought, uh, the, the quality of the questions you ask yourself uh, that is lacking right now and I, I i want you to remember that one what is the hand underneath mine and is he playing that and if he isn't playing the most likely hand you can beat you have no business pl- playing because he doesn't have the four hands below that either so just move on from this point yeah okay and um that was very can I say that was very succinct, Alex? <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. That was very. You know, I was. You threw me there. Um, <laughs> with your clarity of thought. Uh, you, know you know what's happening, Barry? Is I have a friend who works as like a voice coach, uh, and uh, she's been making fun of me constantly, right? And then on top of that, it's really good though to have somebody call you on that stuff, right? And uh, 
On top of that, I'm doing a lot of lessons these days. And in the lessons, I can't just go on for 15 minutes. Like here I show up and it's like, ah, it's the one outer podcast. These sons of bees don't even pay for anything. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what I want to, but yeah, maybe I'm back. I'm, I'm getting trained again, Barry. So sorry. I'll rant about, let me rant about movies. I saw the movie. Why me yesterday, Brian Cranston and James Franco save really poor source material. Now let's hear uh, the second hand you got there. The second hand is my one. So <laughs> right, here we go. This one will not be synced, I promise you. Yeah, let's try and keep this. Okay, it was on Poker Stars, and it was the Hot 20 or the Hot 22, whatever it's called. And uh, I got quite a good run in it. I was down at like the last five tables. There was like 50 players left, something like that. Mm-hmm. And um, the blinds are 6,000, 12,000. Mm-hmm. And it's obviously, you know, nine-handed. I've got 295,328 in chips. Mm-hmm. So don't, how'd you like that? Just, just, just leave out the, the last <laughs> yeah. three digits are inconsequential. Yeah. I've, got, yeah. I've got 295K. Okay, okay. At 6K, 12K, you're sure those were the blinds? 100%. I mean, <laughs> okay. How many, how many big blinds is that, Barry? It's uh, just over 20, like 22, 23, something it's like that. That's 24, but okay, continue. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there we go. I said, I said, I said, I said. Oh, oh, oh. Sorry. Like, yeah. I, just, I, I knew you were going to screw that up just because I put you on the spot. That's one of those funny things. If you thought about it privately without me asking, you'd know right off the top. Wait, hold on. You had 290K, right? Yeah, 50 divided by 12. Yeah, that's four. That's four extra 48. Okay, yeah. So anyway, 24x. All right. So what position it, are you in? I wasn't paying I am, attention. I am in the... I assumed you were going to oh, screw it up the first time, so I, I didn't pay small, attention the first time. You're in the small blind? I'm in the small blind, yeah. Okay, that's the one I'm, with the big blind to your left? To be yeah, clear? Okay, yeah. just making sure. All right, continue. And it... It goes fold, 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 right round to the cutoff, and uh, they raise. Let me get their raise. They min raise to twenty four thousand. Okay, good. You got the right amount this time. Okay. okay. So <laughs> Last time you were like, "He min raises to fifty k." I was like, "Huh?" <laughs> but okay, continue. Uh, so it's folded round the cutoff. He raise. He min raises, and he is playing. Let me tell you what he's playing. 466k. Alright. Okay, so he min raises, the button folds, and I've got tens. Okay. Okay. So my thought process was years like, okay, I don't want to flat this, you know, out position. I don't wanna you know, I don't I didn't want a three bet fold either, so I jammed it. Okay, um, alright. Yeah, that's uh, I, that does I, have its benefits. It looks it, it can look like an ace nine suited uh like poker stars are typically a very educated poker playing populace, so they understand that shoving some of the weaker suited aces there tends to be profitable in a bubble. And while I generally do not agree with that play, it does have its popularity amongst uh, the poker stars regs, and that does make your hand look a little weaker here. So you might just squeeze out a call with nines, eights, sevens. Okay, I don't mind it. I think if the person's four bet is pretty presumptuous is the word that went through my head, but I, that doesn't make sense. But if it's like 27% or 30, it's like, if it's very high, you want to give that person some room to jam the ace, deuce, offsuit or whatever goofy hand they have. 
if their four bet is like 15% or below, I, I don't love that play as much. I like a lot more what you did. Uh, but uh, you, you don't even play with a HUD, do you? Uh, no, not not just now. Not not on that set when I'm playing because it's it's on a Mac in there. Oh, the yeah. Mac, it's not on the yeah, Mac. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, and uh, what, it was the guy from... But I was, I was one tabling, and to be fair, I was paying attention, and the guy, the I'd only... He had only been moved because, you know, the table, it was down to, like, 50 tables. So it was, yeah. like, getting moved and whatever and stuff. And I'd only played maybe, like, a round with him. But in that time, I saw him fold. I mean, it wasn't a huge fold. He'd, like, raised, and it came king. The flop came, like, king, jack, six. And he folded a turn bet, my turn continuation bet, and he showed queens. You know, he folded, showed queens. Really? Uh, like, on the turn. So I don't know what you take from that or whatever anyway. No. But I, I jammed the 10. Typically, and... that's complaining. That's, uh, I had queens. Yeah. Why, why, why are you so lucky you hit the king? And that, that tends to be an indication of a very novice player. In, that's, yeah. you know, if it's a novice player who's 19 years old and he's from Sweden and, you know, his dad makes $260,000 a year in a shipping magnet, like, uh, yeah, he's going to jam on you, but that, that tends to not be the typical situation. Usually so, so, what's happened, so it's better to everything. jam. It's better to jam. Yeah, so I jam. I did jam, and anyway, long story short, now I, before I say this, I don't want to like, come across as being results-oriented, because I'm not. I'm just saying... Well, I've, I've, I've got a new I rule, Barry. Myself. I've got a new yeah. rule, Barry. You can always tell me a bad beat story, but I get to laugh at you afterwards. It's not a bad beat. It's and not a bad laugh. beat. Do you, do you lose you know, at the end? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I guess that's a bad beat story. That no, oh, sorry, you're, bi- you're you're bitching about less than a bad beat story. You're bet- it's a typical beat story, and you fa- you found it worthy of note. Okay, it's yeah. the top of his range story. Uh, story. <laughs> okay. so he had aces anyway. Yeah, I, I, and I, he actually slow rolled me. He waited, <laughs> like, he waited for like six, seven seconds, right? And I thought. I thought, wow! I thought, oh, I'm good here. If he calls, like, I'm, 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 ahead. I'm happy now. And then he calls, and it aces. You don't know if the guy's like, uh, you know, playing more tables or whatever. Yeah, but it was, nah, it was fucking much slow more crude. I, yeah, I, I was, it was like, fucking slow porn, but you never know. Like, but yeah, yeah. So anyway, taking the hilarity out of it, my misfortune, and looking at it. Just that situation again. It's like I think the last time I spoke, like I think I found myself with, you know, similar hands, and that's why I said sort. It's not similar in the sense that 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 the previous guy that emailed in John had raised under the gun. So, like you say, right. in a va- in a vacuum, that looks but it's strong. Managing he's raised short under the gun. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's raised under the gun, and the guy, like you say, if he's not thinking, oh well, this guy's opening any two under the gun, then he's re he's three betting with a hand, which then makes his queen, like you say. What is he beating, sort of thing, right? right but exactly. with, with me there, the cutoff, it's folded to him. He's min raised. He's the big stack on the table. I, right. I don't, I'm, I'm happy. Like my understanding from it, you know, playing like what I played and re- reading what I read and speaking with you, I'm happy with the shove there. But I'm just wanting to know if there's another way. Like if I uh, played it, you know, uh, if I flat uh, there or if I or if I three bet, whatever. Nope, and uh, a lot of poker players waste a lot of time trying to solve what's already more or less beaten down. You, typically, what you should be focusing on is how to acquire chips uh, early on in the tournament by perhaps three betting a little bit more successfully. That's a really big one now. 
Uh, defending your big blind is really big. I'm starting to see the first generation of players really raised by the Myth of Poker Talent pr principles, and they are doing astounding. Uh, one of those guys, if uh, I was working with Dennis yesterday, I just, Dennis I know doesn't mind if I, Dennis is making 14 big blinds per hundred. A good win rate is considered like eight. He has almost twice that, and he's just defend negative 16 in the big blind, which means 84% of the time he saves his big blind. Now, he's just doing a lot of hard work, right? He's not, this is an example of what we want to do. This is a lot of hard work on something you can study, big blind play. I've published a ton of things about big blind play. You want to talk to me about it, write me at alexandpokeredwish.com. Uh, but, like, think about it. If you don't pay the big blind, how do you lose in a poker tournament? That's always what kills you. You know what I mean? That's, those are, the quality of the questions you ask yourselves, yourself will determine how good of a poker player you are. And, Barry, you're asking one of the worst questions you could be asking, which is, how do I avoid this cooler, which is tens <laughs> to aces? You personally yeah. should be embarrassed you brought this to the one outer podcast. No, I couldn't no. keep it going. I'm gonna do no, it. no, I'll tell you why I did. Because I said to my brother after speaking, I was like, that ah, is just a cooler. I says, but I'm, I'm going to bring it up. Oh, that's because, good. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because I feel people, when they're in situations like that, they just they're actually cooler. looking for answers, like you say. It, there is, it's, you've you've uh, sort of like worded it and asking yourself the questions. The way I'm looking at it is people sort of beat themselves up there by thinking they could have played it differently. And I'm just wanting to say, mm. like, when situations like that, no matter how many times I've looked at looked at that, yeah, there's there's obviously um, arguments you you could even flat that or three bet it or whatever, but. No, from, no, like what I'm saying, no, these type of tournaments yeah. and it and the fact it's a turbo as well. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm I'm jamming a hundred percent there. Yeah, you know, that's, that's my point. Yeah. There. yeah, yeah, that's a that's fine. Like, yeah, I guess you could three bet call, but I think that looks stronger. And uh, somebody's got their megaphone. They're telling me, let's see, are they trying to sell me potatoes and tomatoes? today or are they trying to get me to the, re the reason i don't like feedback column there is because i remember i think it looks really strong it looks really strong too yeah sorry go ahead what when i remember it's like well if i've got the chance to then if i give that if i open the door for that big stack to jam there and he puts it in with uh you know queen jack or whatever you know again right me, like, right I'm taking the flip out, so I'd rather just shove in the times right, that he's got hands. Right, I take that move away from him. That's, so more, that's more of an argument for, like, pocket sevens, pocket eights. But pocket tens mm. does dominate quite a bit, so that, that, that argument doesn't necessarily hold water. The problem I have is, well, I actually, the best way to play that, according to my equity calcs, is to three bet and jam any flop. The problem is, uh, are almost any flop. Obviously, if it comes king, queen, jack, do not jam. But, uh, you know. But you don't send it. Come on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> open it. Right? Uh, I always love to show an ace on an ace, king, queen, jack board and go, I was open-ended, and then just make no hint. that. And then I've even had people go, do you think the two makes a straight? God, you're stupid, dude. And then there's like three guys at the table who know, you know, what I do. For a living and yeah they're just trying not to laugh at the guy who thinks he's yeah one out thing but yeah anyhow no uh with the tens uh, t uh when i've done the here's the thing on the equity calyx as far as just like pure chip ev a lot of times three that jamming 
uh, is profitable if people just flat bear uh, and then ever fold. That's just, uh, that's quite a few chips. And there's, it's, the problem is it does seem to up your variance quite a bit. And jamming is not that far away as far as profitability. And this is one of those things that you want to talk about quality questions. One quality question is, what do you, what theoretically should you do here in a poker tournament? Because a bust carries such gravitas. Like if you bust in the tournament, that's it. Your potential for growth is 0%. Whereas if you have 18 big blinds there, uh, you still have, a, you want to compare your potential of growth between 18 big blinds and zero. There is no comparison. It's literally infinity. And that's really hard for humans to conceptualize how different, like, just absolute death is in a poker tournament, absolute bust. I used to laugh at poker players that talked about their tournament life all the time. Tournament life is a very big deal. And you'll notice the guys who value it quite a bit are guys like Phil Hellmuth, who do really well. Uh, I was waiting, sorry to interrupt, Chats, but genuinely, I was waiting to say, if I messaged Phil Hellmuth on Skype and showed him my hand, I genuinely think he would flat call with hands there. You think he would flat? I think he would three bet and then look at the guy and decide what to do if the guy. Jumped. Well, I think he'd maybe three bet fold as well. Yeah, like exactly. we're saying, yeah. we're saying jam or three bet call. Right, there, right. You know, like, uh, like I, yeah, I like that. That's always been my dilemma, you know. But yeah. when you're playing the turbo, you're playing whatever. But like you see, you know, if, if I even flat there and it comes whatever and I check and the guy bets and it's king queen deuce flat whatever and I fold, it's like. Yeah, what have I lost? You know, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean that's that's one argument. The the thing that fascinates me about Phil Hamith is he will three bet their live, totally intent to call the all in, and then the guy will jam, and he just don't won't like the look yeah. of what the guy did, and he'll fold, and that takes a considerable amount of moxie in today's game because well, everybody is just such a hater in poker. Like if anybody plays any different than what the accepted ideology is. They just, it's really funny because these are the same people that go, I hate religion. They're so judgmental of people. Right. And it's like, you, you, I have never heard anyone more judgmental and gossipy in my life than professional poker players. Right. And by the way, I fell, I fell to that too when I was like 21, but I, I, it's pretty bizarre to keep seeing it. And you know, when I'm, I'm about to be 29 here and wow, seven days. And, uh, yeah, it, I, it's, it, it, Phil Hummuth would, like, think about, think about folding there. Uh, he'd also see a flop, and he'd see how the guy react to it, and then I think he could make a good read. And, by the way, if I ever said this, Barry, like, in the upper strata of poker strategy, like, there's a, they, they would, like, laugh at me. They would be like, Phil Hummuth knows nothing. I'm like, well, I, I, I want to know what he knows if it's nothing. You know, I want that nothing. And, the 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 arrogance of that, you know, like which is, I, I I agree. that Perhaps he doesn't know as much as we think he does. Perhaps he works extremely hard. Uh, back when there weren't that many runners, he was the only guy that cared about. But like he still does something very right. And I want the other guy who does that is John Jawanda. John Jawanda, who by the way just what. Like, it just used to be a thing. It was like, well, how many people at the final table? It's like, well, nine, but one of them's going to be John Jawanda, so we're competing for eight <laughs> spots. Did you hear that guy honking? 
Yeah, yeah, that that's how they let Joanna fuck. Yeah, yeah, they, <laughs> that's how they let. Yeah, it's gonna be really sad leaving Costa Rica. I mean, where else in the world will I have taxi drivers honking like that two in the morning to get a hold of someone? You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough leaving here. But yeah, anyway, uh, it, and yeah, it, it I think like your jam there is just very bread and butter, powerful, profitable, low variance. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and reaching for these other plays, I, I think, is very dangerous if you don't have an intimate understanding of what you're trying to do. And to be quite honest with you, uh, I, I've worked very, very hard to get that intimate understanding. I don't feel like I'm quite there yet. I probably would just jam. Uh, so, and uh, by the way, maybe Phil Homieth isn't there. I don't know. Uh, but yeah. I, I, I watched John Juwano win everything, final table everything for years, and he would do stuff like three bet ace queen. The guy would jam, and he would like get sick to his stomach seeing how he jammed, and he would fold. And of course, everybody on two plus two would be like, "Oh my god, he turned his hand into a bluff." And I, all I could see was he's still in the tournament, and he probably should have been out there. You know, yeah. how did he do that? And then John Jawanda doesn't play poker for like five years, and he comes back and wins the WSOP Europe. You know, or whatever it was, he came just like, oh, yeah, gee, thanks, guys, for the two mel. Okay, talk to you all later. <laughs> you know, and then, like, nobody cares yeah. what this guy does at the poker table. Like, John Juwanda could three-bet there, see the guy's jam. And, then, and this is why I think a lot of these guys don't like online is you, it, there's none of that online, right? There's just yeah. – or they're trying to project it online. It just doesn't happen with timing pals or stuff like that. It's just, it's just pure – uh, you know, work the statistics, work the ma- work the mathematics. Yeah, and that was the that was the other thing you were talking about. Things that make you happy. You notice when you're like twenty. Uh, sorry, this just the, the, this just occurred to me. You notice when you're twenty three, it always involves a female. Then you get close to thirty, and you're like, whatever, dude. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, whatever. You know, I'll figure it out eventually. I, I don't know. Is that how you felt, uh, aging, Barry? Well. I met my fiance. Oh, I guess it's yeah. I guess it's kind of hard for you to say. When I was, I'm trying to think. I was on 2008. I was 24, just about to be 25 at the time. Wow, man. Um, and I'm 33 now. So we've been together eight years. This is nine years. I'm 34 in September. That's not. A, um, that's a, actually people will go like 25 young, but at 25, you know yourself a lot more than I met my. Uh, I met my ex-wife when I was 21, and that was, you know, I was a much different yeah. person. But, yeah, so, yeah, I guess you don't really know, I guess. But I- well, I was 25, and I'd say we started going, like, uh, when I was just after 25, um, the start of the next year, we were, like, sort of together, serious, you know, in a relationship sort of thing. And I would say, because of all my past before that, in terms of, like, just, out drinking all the time, binge drinking three, four nights and just yeah, up to nonsense yeah. and whatever. And with the travel and that, I kind of had my fill, if you know what you I mean. Sow, you sowed your wild oats. <laughs> yeah, but I still joke with my fiance that it's still never enough, you know. Yeah. It's, like, <laughs> well, it's like, you know. I mean, if it were ever enough for men, that person probably didn't reproduce, you know. I mean, it can be, it can be enough with one person. You know that, yeah. that that even that takes training. But I think it's it's more women sort of like 
without getting really like offensive here, but I'll, I'll, even if I am, I don't apologise for it. <laughs> but to, to, to young men from, say, let's say 17 to 24, um, women sort of, in a lot of cases, just become another accessory and another yeah, part, like bad. almost another purchase, uh, like that is a badge of honour, like the BMW or the Rolex or what we uh-huh. talk about, like, Going out and getting a woman like a model girl. I, I don't think that's offensive at all, and that's something. No, no, and it's not. It's, if it's offensive, I'd say. And so, some it, guys it, do that. It's, it's, it's not offensive to women. It's what I mean. I, I love yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Trump here. You know, it's like yeah, my mum's one. You know, it's like that's like on the office. He says, "How people said, how can I hate women? My mum's one." You know, but uh, no, I mean it's for for men how associating that with them. You know, like. Right. Right, gotta go out and get this girl, or I did this, or whatever. It says more about men, I think, than it does women. You know, like that—that's the, the, the case. But yeah, I think as you get older, you just get a bit more confident in yourself and a bit more self-assured that you don't need—you don't need anything, whether it's a person or an object, to like validate you, sort of thing. You know, exactly, I think that's exactly exactly. Well, and the whole like club scene is so played out. Once you get older, it's like, hey. Oh, yeah. Bunch of people drinking. <laughs> well, I was at my I was at my little sister's 18th party last Saturday, and we went out and I had a few drinks. My brothers were all there, obviously, so we was buying each other drinks. Getting, actually, I was buying the drinks. They weren't buying me anything. And, <laughs> yeah. yeah, fuck. But honestly, they were so bad. But um, so but yeah, it's family. So what are you gonna do? That's every, but, um, that's every social gathering. Yeah. By the way. So we had fun and we got drunk and like my fiance's there. We we're all having a laugh and stuff, but. Wow, like if you want to feel old at thirty three, go to an eighteenth birthday party. You know, <laughs> it is just like holy shit. They just—it's not just look young. It's just wow. Yeah. You know, like that's why that's why I don't understand like forty year old men that are in relationships with twenty one year old oh, girls. Yeah, I, no, don't get it. I I just don't work that. It's not me saying hate and are like oh of course you would yeah without being you know. I mean, like Trump says, like, locker room talk here. Yeah. Would I sleep with an 18-19? Yeah, you know, probably. You know, I'm a red blue, whatever. But definitely. My girlfriend doesn't listen to this, you know. So, <laughs> but, yeah, but what I'm, say- what I'm saying is, would you have a relationship with him? Would exactly. I? Fuck. You know, it's yeah. like, well, come and I mean, on. That's my thing. Like, you know, guys do that. Like, I'd bet an 18-year-old. And I'm like, you know, to an 18-year-old, that's going to be a pretty serious thing. You know, you yeah. you think you're getting out of a relationship. Your phone is going to break. It's going to get called so many times, you know. And that's a... Uh, uh, that's my experience, Barry. I don't. I don't know if anybody calls you back for an encore, but I'm just okay. That was a bad joke. So yeah. <laughs> you had the song Hotline Bling or whatever. No, Drake, I, have to, you know, I, yeah. I don't know anything, dude. Like, I don't. <laughs> I don't know anything about whatever. Oh, but yeah, that was that. Was, that's been the biggest thing about me being single, like the last. Si- well, I mean, six months, nine months, something like that. It depends on when my wife and I separated my ex-wife and I separated, but like, I just have no desire. Like what? I mean, obviously, yeah. Okay. I'm a red, red blooded man. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. Without getting into details, but that, like, there's still like, it, like the drama of like a young chick and then the, you know, uh, uh, Hey, Hey baby, I'm leaving Costa Rica in three weeks. Like get, you know, punch your ticket now or what, you know what I mean? Just being that kind of a sleaze. You know, and it, it's it's weird because when you're, t- I, I know what you mean. You were talking about 
when you're like, when you're young, it's like, yeah, I got to get my watch and I got, you know, all the chicks got to like me. I got to bet this chick. And it's like, when you get older, you just, I just, I'm not happy with that stuff, you know? And it just doesn't, it's something I've been reading recently, by the way, this is far more interesting than anything else. So we're going to keep talking about this. There's this great book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. And I was just, oh my God, I got to read this, right? And uh, the dude's just awesome. I think his name's Mark Manson. But uh, he, uh, it, it's a really, really good book. And it's really funny because when I read the Bible, I see some of the same things, which is, it's just kind of convincing you you're not that significant. And for you to take yourself so seriously is really preposterous. And the idea you're going to do anything that really... Uh, you know, you can contribute to the world, but people probably aren't going to know about it, right? And you have to do that for yourself because the journey is the only reward. And you want the right problems in life. Like all of uh, the Bible is like Psalms and Proverbs. And it, it's a lot of like dealing with problems in life and just right living. And a lot of this book I was reading, it was just, you want better problems. Life is just a succession of problems. You have you know, you have the problems that you're trying to run a company and, you know, things come up or you have the problems that you're a meth addict and you can't get a hit. Either either way, you know, you got something going on there and you just want the right attitude to deal with the problems and you want your basics. You want your basics that make you really happy. And, you know, in, in the Bible, it's all about, you know, just delight in your family, take care of your family. It's a, it's honorable to take care of your kids. You know, it's a, uh, it's honorable to be true to your wife and just stuff that I think, I think we can all agree is like no BS. Right. And uh, yeah. And the more I realize that I I try to adhere to like a simpler life, I'm just way happier. Like in Prague, it was a Barry haven't like guffawed at me in a bit. You there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, Okay. Barry sounds like he's on a soapbox again. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, I know. I'm letting you, I only interrupt you when I got some of that. Like when I was in Prague, it's like, you know, legalize prostitution, legalize absinthe, legalize everything. You know what I mean? I was just, when if I, if I was 21 and you put me in that city, Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Like, and now it's just like, whatever, man. I just want to read with my family. I want to, and the problems I wanted were like, I was, I, I woke up one day and I told my mom, I, I'm going to get a Christmas tree in Prague. And I was like, I don't know anything about getting a Christmas tree here. I don't know what the hardware stores are called. I don't know where to pick one up. I haven't seen one since I came into the city. I don't know how I'm going to get it into the building. I don't know how I'm going to decorate it. I don't know how I'm going to get, you know, and it was all this stuff and it was going to be expensive and I wasn't going to take the stand home. I was like, well, these are the problems I want to have because nine hours later, every my entire family was reading around the Christmas tree and drinking coffee and having a good time. And then, yeah, and I, you know, my mom and my sister were like, it's so weird. You're like cooking for us and cleaning after everything. I'm like, no, these are the problems I want to have. This really makes me enjoy my life, you know, just to see the clean house. No, I got, I paid for it and I took care of it. My mom and my sister are safe inside it. And we're all just reading. The, when you get those simple, the funniest thing is when you get that simple stuff, you start valuing your family and your education and stuff like that. That's when women will come into your life just out of the ether and if you, all you're thinking about is like, I want chicks, right? It's just, you never, ever, like, it's never going to be good. It doesn't work, you know? And 
it's weird when you, yeah, like we were talking about, like the 39-year-old guy with the 21-year-old, it's like, you're taking this to the grave, huh? This little in high school, nobody had sex with me, so I'm still yeah. mad at the world. You know what I mean? Like, you're, that's what I really think it is. You know, the guy always had to hit the books. I had overbearing parents. Now he's got a million dollars and he hates the world. And he's going to take, you know, he's going to get the 21-year-old hostess who he can't even, you know, uh, she's going to go home and look at The Economist and go, where's Cosmo? You know, so it's not going to, do you even know what Cosmo is, Barry? Yeah, actually, oh, it's a magazine. Yeah, it's a magazine. Yeah, it's a super cheap. I just realized, I don't know if you guys have the same things. In, yeah, it's yeah. I was I was in the waiting room in a Maltese dentist, and they had, like, okay, they had one magazine. It was, like, it said, like, for preteens or something in Britain. I was like, I'm interested, right? And then I open it up. Yeah, that sounded really dirty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I was interested in what the hell they could talk about, and it was like, yeah, you know, it it was all about sex and like I was like, what the hell? Like this is like for fourteen year olds. Like and I was is that normal in Britain, Barry? Is that normal in the United Kingdom? Is it just like a whatever attitude when it comes to sex with young people? Oh yeah, I, I think really. So, yeah. Whoa, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh, it's uh, uh, yeah, uh, I've heard you guys use your rubbers though, so that's good. I was reading. Uh, not in Scotland. Not in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> you got to take over the rest of the conquerors, man. You got to br- produce those kids, those redheaded kids, ready to fight, right? But yeah, no, it was a. I, I was reading an article about how like abortion is considered like a form of contraception in most of the world, and they were saying like, yeah, you know, Britain's got it together when it comes to contraception, but this no, country. Yeah, it was like five to eight abortions for the average woman in her life. I was like, well, this seems quite problematic. You know, that doesn't, that you want to talk about intrusive, like Jesus, like, and oh, God, morally, I think a lot of people struggle with it. Yeah, but yeah, anyway. Anyway, I anyway. just want to say uh, to any 39 year olds listening with 21 year old girlfriend, I'm sure she's lovely. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure. But she's not going to get your pop culture references. And no, stuff, anyway. she is. Oh, yeah, this chick was finger painting during 9 11, man. We didn't. <laughs> she ain't catching anything. I'm glad you said finger painting. <laughs> I, less, I thought you were going somewhere else. Shit. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's good. I don't need to edit that. Add um, okay, um, this last question, let's cram it in. Oh, it is a, from... Yeah, I thought you had two. I'm sorry I'm talking about whatever. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, well, we did the two hand tests. Okay, okay. Mine doesn't count as a question. Okay, okay, no. my bad. Um, <laughs> mine, uh, mine is more a protest, uh, just that people saying, like, I'm doing <laughs> hand tests. Uh, so this one is from... Uh, Listener who sent in a few questions before, nice guy, Thomas Pavlovchik. Good. And he has said, how to study. Hello, guys. Happy New Year. It's me, Thomas. I have a sort of like meta question again. I'm getting close to the last sticky notes from Myth, and I would like to uh, ask about study management or schedule. If I am not mistaken, analysis of the hand history work with Flopzilla and Cardrunner's EV are core stuff. How should I approach it? Let's say I got four to five hours a day to study. What should be my priority? What has the most contribution? Is there anything else? And what would be the main thing if one doesn't have much time? Thanks a lot. Cheers. I don't know why this is, Thomas, but I just realized I've never really given you guys like the full idea of how I study. 
And by the way, the way I study is I watch hand histories with my students and I get tested every five seconds. And if I don't know what I'm talking about, I'm probably going to have to refund the audacious $200 an hour I charge. But a lot of times I will take hand history. Like what I do is I take a batch of hand histories. It, it typically should be from your own game, but it's also really good to get them from other people and to see what they do and how they handle common problems. But you would start with your common problems. Like what situations come up 20 times in a tournament that you do not know how to deal with? Most people just want to get to a really obscure river spot where you could find arguments for both sides. Uh, I, I think that's chasing after the wind. I, I don't really think it's going to help you make money. If you ever played video games growing up, essentially you want to imagine your poker game is uh, there's different, uh, I guess you could make different categories like responding to three bets, three betting, uh, continuation betting, barreling, right? And you want to up your stats for each one of these. And the only way you're going to up it is by studying more than the other guy. I used to be terrified of triple barrel bluffing and live MZTs, and I realized that was going to be the only thing that got me ahead of most people because once you see the guy triple barrel once or twice, you know this isn't the guy to mess with. And I had to do a ton of work because I wasn't sure what river cards uh, were good. And, I mean, that's a good example of a problem identified to myself. That, that, that's a little further down the road. But I would just go into my hand histories and see what situations come up all the time that I don't know what to do with. So one of the first ones I had was the small blind. Uh, and I, I just worked really hard on how often should I raise and triple barrel down. And uh, uh, the other thing was three betting. I, I looked at three betting and I said, I'm not really making money when I three bet uh, my bluffing hands. And I took a really long look at it and I wrote down a lot of my findings and that became you flat too much, that webinar. Uh, I noticed I was giving up my big blind too easily. I mean, and notice all this stuff comes up constantly. And, that, and the problems weren't, I don't know how to three bet. It's everybody's opening. I should be able to three bet successfully. Why can I not? And I just trying to find in every, every time, every step of the way, test your assumptions, right? So one of my first ones was, well, I'd really like to three bet ace jack offsuit because I think he's calling with all the weaker aces and now I'll be heads up and it'll be easier to play. And my second thought was, well, you can't turn ace-jack into a bluff if you four-bets you. And then, thankfully, I seem to have this voice in my mind that really doubts everything everybody says constantly and makes me super neurotic. But it really helps me in poker because the next thing out of my mind was, why? Did you ever test that? Did anyone ever show you the evidence? And sure enough, I started running the numbers, and it was like, oh, there's absolutely... Well, and it's like, also, think about the players you wanted to be growing up do they play that way and the answer with a lot of them was no you know it was a purely online poker thing to well just every time somebody opens an early position they couldn't possibly be opening the jack seven suited you see every single time people open uh so you got to fold the ace jack and then it became oh you gotta i want to play with the guy so i'm just going to flat him and let four other people into the pot no 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 and i finally through breaking through crap in my training that nobody ever justified to me i kind of i started saying three bet semi bluffing i cannot find it in poker literature before i started saying it so in my mind that was my term and when i started saying semi bluffing now everything made sense right now that was and you can kind of see 
I hope through like breaking down the thought process, it wasn't that vivid of a thought process. It was just, oh, I kind of like to be heads up, but why can't I, right? It wasn't, it, it, it wasn't, you know, like super mathematical. I wasn't like, you know, John Nash, a beautiful mind, like throwing uh, paper planes with my, uh, my, uh, my formulas out to the mailman or anything. I was just, you know, I was asking myself questions about things that came up all the time. And then, you know, the big blind I got really into uh, just because it's a forced bet. And if you can take back your forced bet, that's a pretty, like, if you can just imagine playing a poker tournament where, you know, 85% of the time it comes around to a guy and they just walk him. Like, they're, they're made almost nine times out of ten. Everybody walks him in the big blind. And that they, they said, you know, you ask, like, why do you do that? And they'd be like, well, we have a tacit agreement uh, that we just let him get walked nine times out of ten. You'd be complaining about uh, mm-hmm. everything to the tournament director. Now, oddly, if you just play right from the big blind, you are entering a, an agreement with everybody else where you will save eight big blinds out of ten, whatever it is, right? And that's, a, that's pretty big. And I, I was just looking at, like, I would look at hand histories, I would mark off hands that I thought were problems, then I would go through those hands again, and I'd mark off the biggest problems, and then from that point on, I'd use Flopzilla and Cardrunner ZV to simulate a number of different board runouts, and just see what I should generally be doing there. Then I'd try to dissect what specifically makes it so I have to do either action. Then you start... You, you, that's when you start battening down the hatches, right? You know, queen eight six two to a suit might not be uh, might not be a check raise even the, versus a really tough guy, whereas queen six three is just because when you enter it in Flopzilla, you'll just see the plethora of straight draws that pop out there that perhaps you're not thinking of originally, right? When you're just running the numbers the first time. And then you start seeing stray draws in other situations when you're thinking of check raising. And then your mind just begins, myel- begins myelinating, I think is how they pronounce it. And you just build these connections. But it's, a, it's just like going to the gym every day. And by the way, go to the gym every day. You need to be it, – it's the most exhausting work I do is studying. Like my study, my training is very, very difficult. I – I, I want to sweat when I'm training because I don't want to sweat at the poker table. And that I really enjoy live poker now because I more or less know what I'm going to do on 99.99% of the hands, right? Sometimes I will t- I really love when I have to think about it. That's, that's really like a fun situation because maybe I found something new. But it doesn't honestly happen that often, which means I can just kind of sit back and instead of worrying about my game, I can worry about everybody else's game and see what I pick up. And that level of mastery, when you feel it, like, I, I, like honestly, it, like, it is love. It, it is, like, pure love for something. And poker is today's chess. Poker is much bigger than chess ever was. And if you can remember chess when we were growing up and it was like, oh, there's the Soviet Union proxy war with the United States, you know, when uh, the chess masters came, came in and whatever. And uh, poker's like that with money. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's a wild ride if you start figuring this stuff out. 
And the reason I'm so passionate about this game is I'm such a dead normal dude, but everybody else is just so damn lazy <laughs> that I get ahead, you know? I, there's some things, like, I'm sure... Like, when I explain them to Jaka, he gets them in two minutes, and it took me two and a half hours <laughs> to figure it out, right? And it, that used to make me feel bad, and then it hit me one day. Nobody else is putting in two minutes, you know? So, and they're not Faraz Jaka, so they're Ooh. never going to get this. So, and that's the other thing. Every time you find an edge, I want you to remember... 99, literally 99% of the poker public doesn't have it usually if you're working ahead of it, right? Or they don't have as clear of an understanding as you do. And, you're, and it becomes so bizarre when you go to the card room at this point, you hear people trying to parrot back what they hear in training videos and it's just totally misappropriated and makes no sense. And then that's when you'll start noticing you're the game master like now it's time to it's time to batten down the hatches and make this money so good good luck to you man okay and it's time to batten down the hatches and finish this podcast as well good yeah. link there alex yeah um, that's why yeah. <laughs> okay uh how can people get in touch with you for private coaching webinars lesson and be kept up to date with everything at assassinato hq be sure to sign up for the newsletter at pokerheadrush.com. And I actually think I'm sending out another uh, strategy one coming out. There was another strategy one that came out. Well, it was kind of a life strat one that a lot of people really enjoyed. So thank you. Thank you guys for your nice emails, by the way. I really do appreciate that. Uh, I do read every single one of them. Uh, I never really thought like a fisherman from Bothell, Washington would ever really get anywhere. So, yeah, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, sign up for the newsletter and also check out PokerHeadRush.com. The blog is back up. I haven't, I don't think I've blogged since I got back, but I do have some blogs up from Prague and I have a lot of notes about what I want to blog about. So that, that's been pretty cool. It's been kind of tough because I'm trying to write, uh, some essays right now that I think I'm going to tie up into a Kindle book, but we'll see, we'll see about it. Uh, yeah. And write me at Alex at PokerHeadRush.com if you want to do a private lesson, if you heard uh, if you like what you heard here, if you like how I analyze the game, it's only way more fun in person because we, you know, we get to pull up all the, I get to show you how all the software works. It's kind of scary at first, but I'll, I'll walk you through it. Uh, I'll show you how the, all the software works. We'll go through hands. We'll talk. We'll get to know each other. It's a, I've been having a lot of fun coaching, Barry. Like lately, since I turned it back on, I realized I love this job. Like, I really do love this job because everybody's so interesting. Like, I really rarely get a student that's like, well, that, that, that guy's not doing that so hot, right? It's always like, it's always the guy who works in a super interesting industry and he's in an interesting part of the world and totally doesn't mind for 15, 20 minutes after the lesson describing to me how his industry works. And, you know, to hear from the inside how a lot of these industries work is so fascinating, you know, and then stuff you just never know about, like doctors or lawyers or billionaires or stuff like that. And it was, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it. So I hope you guys can enjoy, uh, you guys can enjoy me. <laughs> I'm hoping you guys can join me uh, for some of these lessons. And yeah, you can write me. We got a new deal where you get six, uh, you really get like seven for the price of five because I add so many bonus materials and you get my book for free and you can just do a one-off if you want to do that. So yep. Write me at Alex at I'm home for a few more weeks. So let's get you on the schedule. 
Okay, and keep your questions coming in for Alex. Questions at oneouter.com on email, or you can tweet them or post them in the Facebook group. Also, as we mentioned at the start of the podcast, don't forget to get your 27% rate back from americascardroom.com. All you need to do is sign up for your account if you don't already have one by clicking on the advert or banner on the oneouter.com website. There's no promo codes or anything, and it will set you up your 27% rate back, which will make a difference, a huge difference to your bottom line. And uh, Alex, thanks for joining me again on this. It's freezing in Scotland just now. There's oh, lots yeah. of snow across oh, no, the UK. Man. Yeah, so um, it's really, really cold. So uh, poor me. Yeah, um, poor so, you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for joining me from sunny Costa Rica. And we will speak to you next week. Thanks for listening and cheers. Cheers. Every day at America's Card Room, players just like you are scoring big in record time with Jackpot Poker. Jackpot Poker is a super fast three-player online poker set and go. You pick the buy-in, and after all three players are seated, we randomly pick the jackpot. Yep, just three players. No more, no less. And for most jackpot poker tournaments, it's winner take all. Imagine turning a $40 buy-in into the ultimate $100,000 game of poker. Anything could happen with jackpot poker. Play it now at America's Card Room.